welcome today to our online church service. I am so happy that you have joined me today because we are going to have a great time in the Word of God today. I want to talk today about the subject of angels. I really feel impressed by the Holy Spirit that we continue to dig into this teaching from the Word of God about this material, the subject material of angels and them working in our lives. So we will be discussing that today. But before we jump into today's message, let us first receive the holy tithes and offerings and bring them into the storehouse of God. I would like to read a verse to you from Genesis chapter 13, and this will be verse 1 and 2. It says, Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. So, three very important assets of value that have lifetime value were placed into the stewardship of the man that became Abraham. Here we know him as Abram. Abram was very rich, not just a little bit rich, but it actually says very rich in livestock. So he had a lot of cattle. He had goats, and he had uh, sheep, and he had camels in silver and in gold. You know, I have actually read uh, economic papers, dissertations that certain people within the financial realm have written and some writers, some economists have actually said there is no real value in silver or gold. It's just a metal, and the only reason that it has value assigned to it is because it's shiny, and there appears to be not that much of it. But, my friends, that's an inaccurate appraisal. God himself has assigned value to certain things, whether it's platinum, palladium, or gold, or silver, or whatever it might be. There are certain things within the earth that God has signed, uh, assigned an intrinsic value to them. And gold and silver will always have value. Cattle, livestock, look, there always is going to be a need for beef and for cheese and for milk and for all of the uh, wonderful things that come out of the livestock industry. Praise God for that. And so I think it's very good for us to understand that when God assigns value to something. We need to be able to discern that, appreciate that, and have respect for that. I really do believe that what you do not respect will not come into your life. If you disrespect something, if you have no concern about it, you have no interest in it, you have no, uh, how can we say, and, 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 and in essence, it just doesn't really mean anything to you. Those types of things will not come into your life. You need to have a healthy respect for prosperity. You don't need to make fun of others that would have prosperity. There's no need to be jealous because God can bring you into prosperity as well. So we need to respect quality things that God has placed within the earth. Anytime that we make fun of or put down uh, something that would be actually a blessing, whether it's air conditioning. Oh, Pastor Stephen, what do you have air conditioning in your house for? Why don't you just sweat it out like the rest of us? Well, we don't have to do that. We can have air conditioning. When the winter is here, we can turn the heater on. Praise God. These are just the comforts of life. There's nothing wrong with that. They're actually a blessing. Praise God. And so we don't uh, degrade these things. We accept these things. There are many different forms of wealth. There are many different uh, value equations of what prosperity actually is. And so when you appreciate it, when you respect it, God brings it into your life. But if you don't have a care about it, if you're not, if you're not into it, so to speak, then they will not flow into your life. Because God wants to bring things into your life that you would steward, that you will take care of, that you will show appreciation for. Praise the Lord. God doesn't want to give you something nice, and then you don't really appreciate it, doesn't really mean anything to you, and, you know, six months later, the thing's uh, either not being used, and anything that's not getting used oftentimes begins to degrade or fall apart or not work properly, or it's just not taken care of. 
So God wants to see us as people that can appreciate nice things. Praise the Lord. I think that's very, very important. Abraham had some nice stuff. Praise the Lord. And we need to be able to walk in that element of wisdom that is able to discern difference. This has value. This has little value. This has no value. Well, Pastor Stephen, we just lump it all together. No, you can't do that. That's not wisdom. There's, there's a difference between Ruth Chris Steakhouse and Taco Bell. Oh, Pastor Stephen, it's all food and all just goes to the same place. Well, it does all go to the same place, and it is all under the category of food, but it does not taste the same. I remember when I was young, when I was a teenager, and especially in my 20s, I thought Taco Bell was good. I thought KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken, mm, 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 that's good stuff. But you know what? Your taste buds change in life. What you like now doesn't mean you're going to like that 10 years from now. And as you uh, continue down the course and the journey of the sweetness of life, you realize that your taste buds change. And you realize, hey, there's, there's better quality. There's things that taste better. I enjoy catfish. Catfish is nice. But I like halibut. And I like sea bass a whole lot more. Why, Pastor Stephen? Well, it, it's first of all, it's a lot higher on the food chain. It's not floating around at the bottom eating all the uh, stuff that's rotting and dying, which is what a catfish does. But these other fish are swimming up in the clean, higher waters. And honestly, they just taste a whole lot better. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. It's not just because they're kosher, because they have fins and scales, and the catfish doesn't. It's just that it tastes better. Praise God. So, my friends, it's the ability to discern difference. That's what wisdom is. That's one definition of wisdom. It's the ability to understand this has value. It needs to be taken care of. It also needs to be appreciated and respected. You don't get a nice car and then just drive it, go park it somewhere, leave the windows down, and it's raining. Okay, You don't do that. Now, if you have an old beater, you have an old clunker that's completely falling apart, and it's almost rusted all the way through, you might think, well, uh, you know, I don't really care. But even with an older vehicle, you still want to take care of it. You might want to restore it one day. And so you, you do things that show good stewardship. When you do that, God can assign more to your life. He was very rich in livestock and in silver and in gold. Learn to appreciate the nice things of life, praise the Lord, the little blessings of life, not just always the big blessings, but the little things that, that God does for you. Tell him that you appreciate it when, it when it happens, when nice things come into your life. Enjoy that. God really does want you to enjoy your life. Remember, Jesus suffered on the cross so that we can have a blessed life. I know that life has many trials and many difficulties, but at the same time, there is a sweetness to life when you walk with the Lord. And Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. You don't have to go through things unnecessarily to kind of prove that you're spiritual. That would be like rough experiences. I've heard people tell me, Pastor Stephen, I want to stay behind and go through the great tribulation. I don't want to be caught up. I don't want to be involved in the rapture. I want to stay behind because I want to suffer. Well, Jesus has already suffered. You're not like proving anything or earning anything or showing any type of worth by uh, somehow inflicting some form of suffering self-inflicted upon your life. You, you, Jesus has made a way of escape. The, the tribulation, the wrath coming upon the earth in the last days is not for the church. The church will be taken out. Hallelujah. It's for the wicked who have rejected God and who will have to go through a very, very difficult time. But my friends, we can appreciate nice things. God wants us to enjoy nice things. Praise the Lord. If you don't have a respect for it, it will not come into your life. But that which you honor and that which you respect will begin to flow into your life. Look, I honor and respect the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I have great respect for tongues and for the spiritual gifts. I hear people make fun of tongues, uh, people that don't understand it, who have never received it, and who have not enjoyed that great blessing, that great privilege of being filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing. But to me, oh, it's priceless. 
And so to me, that is great, great wealth. I assign that as being just really wealth beyond measure. Praise God. So if you value these types of things, you will be loaded with the blessings of God. And so walk in the wisdom of God. Be able to discern the the different levels, the uh, the different things that are flowing into your life and the things that are around you. Be able to gauge accurately. Praise the Lord. And you will see that God will increase your possessions. I want to say that again. God is going to increase your possessions because you are able to value and appreciate the good things of God. Praise the Lord. Let it soak in for a moment. God wants to bring it into your life. God wants to bring it into your life. Don't make fun of nice stuff. You might see somebody that has some things that you don't have. Don't make fun of them or their things. Praise the Lord. Maybe they worked. Maybe they sowed. Maybe they maybe they did things that where they just really stepped out in faith and, you know, God blessed their business or whatever it might be. Don't make fun of it. You, God, God wants to bring you into it. Hallelujah. Be able to just look at that and say, God, that's beautiful how you have blessed them. And that's an inspiration for me. I believe you're going to do the same thing in my life. And you will, you will bring it into my life according to my personal taste and desires. And you will, you will make it uh, fold and form into my life in a very beautiful way that makes me happy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. I think, I think in the church that some of the worldly thinking has permeated the thinking of some of the people of God. Well, they feel like there's something evil or inherently wrong about wealth or money. My friends, it's, there's not. We thank God for wealth. We thank God for uh, corporations. We, uh, you know, these corporations hire thousands and thousands of people. Pastor Stephen, the corporations are evil. They're all corrupt. No, those corporations are job employers. And so we need to be thankful for our bosses, for the companies that we work for. We need to bless them, not curse them. Prosperity is good if you respect it and, and you have that, that right attitude towards it, realizing that it's good, it will flow into your life. But if you're, if you're like an antagonist uh, against it, if, if you're like, it's wrong, I don't like it, people shouldn't have it, uh, it will it will stay away from you. Praise the Lord. So before we receive the tithes and offerings, lift your hands and say prosperity is good. Okay, let's go a little bit further. Say money is good. Pastor Stephen, money is the root of all evil. No, it's not. The love of money is. There's nothing wrong with money at all. It, the money in the hands of a good person is a wonderful, wonderful tool. Say money is good. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. See, it's having the right outlook, the right attitude towards things. You didn't see Abraham saying, God, I don't want none of that silver. Lord, I don't want none of that gold. Nope. He understood that it's valuable, that it's an asset to his life. It's a benefit to his life. It allows his business ventures to expand and for him to uh, hire more people. And I, I tell you what, it's just a great thing all around. Praise the Lord. So you need to have respect for it. And when you do, it will begin to flow into your life. Father, we thank you that we are able to identify and appreciate nice things. We acknowledge that they all come from you, and we receive them with praise and thanksgiving. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, amen. Hallelujah. You do not have to apologize for God's blessing upon your life. Praise the Lord. Enjoy good things that God is doing for you. Now, if you want to mail your tithes and offerings in, then you can do that now at this time by sending them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 3456. Again, P.O. Box 3456, Mooresville, North Carolina. Our zip code is 28117. If you want to bring the tithes and offerings in online, you can do so as well by visiting the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There is a link on the homepage called Tithes and Offerings, Sow and Reap. And you can go there now at this time and bring them into the house of God. And we appreciate your faithfulness unto the Lord in the area of your finances. Praise God. 
Father, we praise you in the name of Jesus. You are blessed. Money and increase is coming into your life. Hallelujah. And it's good. It's good, isn't it? Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for what we can do with money to further your kingdom and to have a good quality of life and to bless others. Let us go now to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1. And we want to talk today about angels working. Woo, hallelujah, working for you. You know, I'm so happy that faith comes by hearing. Because when you hear the word of God, I, I tell you, you're just like, wow, I, I believe that. And uh, the more you listen to it and meditate on it, you just transition into a place where this is going to happen for me. And I know that God's word is really going to uh, build your faith as well. And you're going to see very unusual things happen in your life as uh, the evidence of the angels working in your life is very easily discerned and seen as on a day-to-day -day basis. So, Heavenly Father, let your Holy Spirit illuminate the Scriptures to the eyes of our understanding so that we can walk in all of these wonderful promises of your Word. In Jesus' name, we say amen. Well, Hebrews chapter 1, even going into chapter 2, really is about the preeminence of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's higher and greater than Moses. He's higher and greater than the angels. He's higher and greater than man. He's higher and greater than anything else. There's the Father, there's the Son under the authority of the Father, and there is the Holy Spirit. And so there is no man, there is no angel on a higher level than the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul, who I believe is the writer of the book of Hebrews, really takes time to bring forth the truth that Christ really is the preeminent one. Now, at the conclusion of chapter 1, verse 13, he continues to confirm that truth, that Christ is over all. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? No, the heavenly father never said that to an angel. He said that to Jesus. Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. So again, it's just a confirmation that Jesus is higher and greater than the angels. And really the Jews, uh, the Christians at that time, the, most of them at, during that time were, were Jewish believers. Uh, they should already have known this, but they were under a lot of persecution, a lot of stress, and Paul has to come in there and help them out. There was a lot of uh, persecution uh, tempting them to go back into Judaism and to forsake their salvation experience through the Lord Jesus Christ. But just by having read the Old Covenant writings, they should have known that the Lord Jehovah Sabaoth is the captain, the Lord of the angelic army. So there's so many indicators even in the Old Testament that, that the Lord is above all. So that's just being nailed down. Now verse 14, though, uh, though this verse does give insight into the ministry of angels, and we're thankful that it's here. Verse 14, are they, that would be the angels, of course, are they, not all, okay, so all of them are, they're all in this category, are they not all ministering spirits, okay, so they're all ministering spirits, and the word ministering here really just means to serve in the various forms of serving, and so helping out, and you know, that, that can cover a huge category, would certainly be in this area. Are they not all ministering or serving or helping spirits sent forth to minister, to serve, to help for those who will inherit salvation? The job of the angels in the life of the believer is to make your life smoother and to make your life easier. Hallelujah. If you're in a place right now where you feel like your life is chaotic, you feel like your life is kind of like just crazy a little bit, then, then you need to understand that God wants the angels to be directly involved into your life. They will make your life smooth. Look, 
there's nothing smooth about a train wreck. A train wreck is a big mess. Some people's lives are like a perpetual wreck where everything is uh, chaotic. Nothing uh, ever flows smoothly, but it's almost like going from one uh, uh, difficult event to another difficult event to another like, oh, I need to be bailed out again type event. When you see something like that, then you need to understand that God wants that individual to receive the angelic ministry. Why? Because they minister, they serve, they help. They are sent forth to do this for those who will inherit salvation. So life is a journey. It's a uh, it's like a pilgrimage. Uh, Paul identifies it as being sojourners in the earth. Those are people that are traveling through this world as we're on our way to the heavenly city. Praise God. So along this path, there will be challenges. There will be trials. But you have to understand that Jesus has already made available for you all that you need to win in life and to enjoy a successful life. And it's the angels working in your life, helping you. I'm talking about supernatural beings helping you so that your life is smooth. Woo, glory to God. I'm telling you what, after this message, I believe the angels will begin to move in your life in a new way, and you're going to see things get ironed out. A lot of your problems are just going to disappear. Pastor Stephen, how is that going to happen? Through the help of the angels. They are going to begin to remove these difficult problems. They're going to solve these things. They're going to make everything in your home sweet. They're going to make your life sweet so that you can go into the lives of others that it's almost like their lives are turned upside down and you can come in there and help. You know, it's difficult to help others if your own ship is sinking. You're like, hey, I'd like to help, but I can't. I'm over here trying to bail out my own ship, and we're, we're almost about to perish over here. We're doing all we can just to tread water. But God doesn't want your life to be like that. God wants you to have stability and strength and peace and order. And now, from that platform, you are able to come over here and help others. Why? Because you are in a blessed, peaceful, strong position. And that's what the angels will literally do in your life. Are you ready to jump into this today? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 13 as we're talking today about angels working for you. And they really, really will. Now, chapter 13, verse 1, let brotherly love continue. Do not forget I, th I think we can forget this. I think life can get us too busy that we, we, uh, we can let this thing slip right by us and not catch it, not even really enjoy the moment. Do not forget to entertain strangers. We need to do it out of love. We don't need to be poking them to say, hey, are you an angel? We just need to do things that, uh, when these uh, moments happen, uh, when we are in empowered and in enabled to be a blessing, we, need, we just need to do it. Uh, out of love for God and love for our fellow man. But it also says, do not forget to entertain strangers. For by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. You know, my wife was driving one time uh, to the church to do a few things. This was when we had just gotten married. And she was driving to the church to do a few things. And something happened to the car on the freeway, on the expressway, there in that busy Southern California traffic, and the, the engine began to shut down, and there was a very thin uh, shoulder that she could pull over on with all the traffic whizzing by, and she pulled over and thought, you know, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do, and this was, this was before the days of cell phones. This was, this was when pagers were advanced technology. How many of you remember those old silly pagers? Well, thank God those are gone. They didn't really help very much, but nevertheless... She pulled over on that little shoulder with all the traffic going by. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a long ways to walk to be able to just get off the freeway. So that, that's not really going to work. And, you know, a long ways back behind. So you can't really walk to an exit, you know, a mile here, two miles that way, and all of this traffic. And right after, I mean, I'm talking just right after 
her car shut down on her, and she pulled it over to the side. A large black Mercedes-Benz stops and pulls over and parks in front of her, and a man, very professionally, nicely dressed, said, "Uh, please, I will give you a ride. I can tell something's happened to your car. Please jump in. And he very uh, cordially and professionally uh, took my wife to where she needed to go. Uh, My wife was able to make uh, all the phone calls, get everything taken care of. She was able to talk with this individual who was a servant of the Lord. And I tell you what, uh, it was an uh, angelic experience. And my wife and I, as we've traveled the world, have had many, many encounters with angels that are in the appearance, that are in the form of a human. Now, usually when these events unfold, we are pressed for time. We, we were in a major international airport one time, and we got, we got a little bit turned around, and we had a very short amount of time before we had to catch our next plane, literally almost like run to your next gate, and we didn't know what to do. We stood there stunned for a moment, and then we saw an information desk, and a lady came from behind that desk, which later there was no desk there when we went back later. A lady came from behind that desk and talked to us and said, where are you going? And uh, we, we said, we're going here. She goes, oh, this is exactly what you need to do. And she began to help us, and she was laughing. She was just she was just absolutely hilarious. And, you know, when we came back later, we couldn't find that lady and uh, couldn't find the desk or anything like that. It was just all gone. But I am, uh, I am absolutely confident that that was an angel of God. Now, remember, it says here, do not forget to uh, entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. So angels have the ability to change form. They can look like a man. They can look like a woman. And I don't believe that male angels are trying to look like female women, okay? So if it's a, if it's a lady, it's probably a female angel. I know a lot of people get upset about that, but you have to understand everything in life is male or female. Giraffes, cats, dogs, humans. There's a, there's a, if, there's a, if there's a male, there's going to be a female around there somewhere as well. So there's, there can be women talking to you. Uh, in times of help or times of need or something like that. And you might not even know it. That is an angel. That could be an angel. It could be a man talking to you. And it's not because they change form. It doesn't mean that you can't tell that maybe there's still a spirit because angels are spirit beings. They don't have flesh and blood bodies unless they change into form. But even as they change into that form, if you touch them, they still feel like a, a person. They feel just like a real human, wearing human clothes. So from a natural standpoint, oftentimes you cannot tell. But, but you know, after the event has happened, you're like, wow, that was pretty wild. You know what? I've, I've had it happen where an angel has come into a, a situation where I knew it was an angel. But I didn't go over to the, uh, to the angel appearing as a person and say, hey, I know who you really are. You're not a person. You're an angel, aren't you? No, I just I just enjoyed the moment. I knew exactly what was taking place, but I just kind of watched what was happening as some things were being communicating, uh, communicated to me, and I enjoyed the experience. So I'm just telling you, these angels are all around you all the time. They have appeared even in church services in the form of humans. And people didn't know it. Oh, we have a guest. I wonder who that guest is. That's an angel, and people didn't know it. That's an angel appearing in human form. They sit in meetings. They come to conferences. They go to churches and things like that. And people think, that's a, I guess, that's just a visitor from out of town. Well, yeah, it's a visitor from out of town, all right. But it's not, it's not you know, it's an angelic visitor. Praise the Lord. So these things are a lot more common than what people think. Because the angels, I'm telling you, they are working, they are busy, busy, busy. By the way, there are a lot more angels, a whole lot more angels than there are demons. Uh, And not only that, but Satan, he's not God. Oh, no, not even close to it. It's It's like an ant. You can't even compare an ant. You can't even make the contrast between an ant and an elephant. No, he's, he's nothing compared to God. God is omnipotent, omniscient. God is omnipresent. Satan is none of that stuff. He's just a fallen, he's like a fallen archangel. That's it. That's all he is. 
And so he, he cannot be in multiple places at the same time. He cannot uh, do some of these things that people have attributed uh, to him being able to do. Oh, no, he's very, very limited in what he can do. And not only that, he's outnumbered. He's outnumbered. There are far more angels than there are demons, and the angels are stronger. Wow. Praise God. Hallelujah. And not only that, in the last days, Michael is going to clear out the heavenlies because in a battle, the first thing that a military wants to do is they want to gain air superiority. That, that means you want to have the height advantage because if you're higher up than your enemy, now you shoot down. And so it's, it makes everything a whole lot easier. Well, there's going to come the day where Michael, the archangel, and other angels along with him, they are going to pull down Satan and all of these uh, rulers of the darkness of this world. They're going to yank them down out of that spiritual place they have up there in the, you know, uh, where the jets fly, like 30,000 uh, feet in the air. They're going to get yanked down from their position, and they're going to be cast down to the earth. Don't be concerned about it. You'll be gone. You'll be in heaven during that time. You don't want to be around for the great tribulation, especially for the last three and a half years. It literally will be, in many ways, hell on earth. Praise God. But we'll at least have full knowledge of what's taking place. But you have to understand, God's angels are much, much more powerful than all the demons. Uh, much, much more powerful. Hallelujah. Even Satan himself. Uh, Michael is going to take him down so fast and so quick and going to throw him, him into that bottomless pit and chain him there. And he's not going to have to struggle and get, you know, you know, 10,000 angels to try to hold Satan down. No, no. Michael himself can easily take care of Satan. So you have to understand who the winning side is, who the winning team is. Praise God. So these angels of God, these mighty angels are all around us. Many, many times we have not noticed them. They can be in the grocery stores while you're shopping. You just think that's a person. Could be an angel. Be on your toes. Hallelujah. Praise God. Because God's angels are working for you. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4 today. Matthew chapter 4. Praise God. Let's go to verse 11. Well, verse 10 would set the context better. Let's go there. Verse 10. This is the last of the three temptations. It was one temptation, but it had three parts. Verse 10. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him. Remember, resist the devil. And he will flee. Pastor Stephen, he's overpowered me. No, resist the devil, and he will flee. He, he has to. It is a scriptural commandment. Hallelujah. You do the resisting, and eventually he will give up. He will leave. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Well, this is a very critical time for Jesus. He has now completed the temptation experience. He is intact. He is, he is standing in a place of victory and triumph. And Satan has now retreated. He has now left. But Jesus is absolutely physically depleted. He has gone 40 days with no food. The scriptures say uh, that he was hungry. He hungered. Didn't say he thirsted because he was obviously drinking water from the natural springs that would be there out in the wilderness area. But this is a time physically where he is at the very end of the line of his body's ability to sustain himself. And if you've ever been on a long fast, if you're doing a water fast, and you get way out there towards the end where all of your fat reserves are burned up, you know exactly what the Lord was going through. You have no strength in your body. And so this is why the angels came to help him. There are no grocery stores out there in the desert. There's none. I, t I tell you, it's amazing. You go to the top of the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem, and you look off the backside of that mount, and there's nothing but desert. I mean, that's rough and rugged, and that's what it's like of what he was walking into. You're going out into a desert area, and he's out there. There's no 7-Eleven. There's no convenience store, and he needs help. 
He has no more reserves. At the end of a long fast, I, I've been there before on a water fast, your legs feel like each, it feels like each leg weighs 400 pounds. And I know some of you know what I'm talking about. I mean, just to walk three feet takes every bit of your effort and you're completely exhausted. I remember at one time I was just trying to walk uphill, about 20 feet uphill, and it just about wiped me out. I, I could hardly do it. So if he's miles and miles out in the wilderness and nobody knows where he's at, God sends the angels to help him. And I, I, I believe that the angels would have began to have provided some form of food to begin to bring nourishment back into the Lord's body. And you understand that after a long fast, you can't just begin to eat quickly. You have to eat very, very slowly, very, very mildly. A minister once shared that uh, she did a 40-day water fast, and some of those in her prayer group also joined the 40-day water fast and as well completed the fast. She said one of the men in the fast, after he com uh, one of the men in the prayer group, after he completed his fast of 40 days with no food and nothing but water, he went out and broke his fast by going to a Chinese buffet. And he began to eat all of this spicy, greasy Chinese food. And it so shocked his system that it almost killed him. It, they, it sent him to the emergency room, and it was a real mess. He almost lost his life. You have to be very, very careful because uh, it's, you have to begin to ease it all back in very, very slowly. So the angels are ministering to him. They are helping him. They are serving him. Uh, I'm sure they had some food. I'm sure they had some, maybe they brought him some Gatorade, okay? Just bring, bring, bring it all back slowly online. Woo, hallelujah. I'm telling you, the angels, my friends, they'll, they'll help you. They are there to serve you. They are there to help you to do what God has called you to do in life. Be expecting the angels to help you. Praise God. Let's look at this also from Mark's perspective. This would be Mark chapter 1. Praise God today. Let's jump over to the Gospel of Mark chapter 1 and look at how these angels provide also help through supernatural protection. Mark chapter 1. Praise the Lord. Let's go to verse 12. The scripture says, Immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness, and he was there in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and was with, watch this, and was with the wild beast, and the angels ministered to him. I had just mentioned how weak you get when you fast only on water, especially towards the end when your, your reserves are burned up and depleted, you become so tired. Now, the nation of Israel today is very different. Back then, during the Lord's day, there were still wild animals out there in the wilderness. You remember the story of David, who slew the lion, right? and slew the bear. There used to be lions and bears in the Holy Land. You also see that Samson, the judge of Israel, he also killed a lion. So there were lions, there were bears, there were also leopards in what we know as the Holy Land. And he's out there, and he's so weak that he cannot defend himself. It's not like Jesus can pick up a rock and say, hey, you better get away. I'm going to throw this rock at you or I'm going to hit you with a stick. He's, he's too tired. You cannot do that. So you are in a place of trust in the Lord. And the Lord sent those angels to protect him from the wild beast. That would not only be these animals, uh, such as a lion or bear or leopard, but also even venomous, poisonous snakes and other types of things that he could have been subject to as he pretty much just sat somewhere, probably uh, oftentimes laid down because of the fatigue and the heat and the, uh, the, the great strain that he was going through during this time of testing. Now, it says the angels ministered to him. They helped him. 
Those angels were there throughout the life of Jesus. You have angels that have been assigned to you for your entire life. They will never leave you for one day. They are here with you on this planet. When you were released into the earth, they were here. And when you take your last breath and you leave, they will go with you and escort you home to the heavenly city. But they are here with you every single day of your life, all day, all night, all the time. They are here with you. Why, Pastor Stephen? To serve you, to help you, to make your life easy, to protect you from all types of things that are out there that would try to harm you and to hurt you. Let us now go over to Luke chapter 22. Glory to God. The angels really are working in your life. I want you to understand this, that you are not in this world alone. I know that the Holy Spirit is in you. I know that the Holy Spirit as the paraclete, uh, as the teacher, as the counselor, as the guide, also in some forms he like it, he walks alongside of you. He's in you, yes, but he also walks alongside of you as a teacher, as an instructor. But you also have angels as well that are assigned to you as well. Luke chapter 22, let's go now to verse 41. Praise the Lord. And it says, And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood, falling down to the ground. My friends, notice that the Bible, the holy word of God, says that an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. Angels have the ability, the supernatural ability to impart strength. Hallelujah. You will never fail. You will never go under. God will send an angel to you to bring strength to you. Hallelujah. And you will complete your journey and your calling in life. They can strengthen your body. They can supply strength when you need it to your physical frame. Praise the Lord forevermore. You know, it was only recently on CNN News, because they were the ones that primarily reported it, about a young 10-year-old child who received supernatural strength that he attributed uh, to the help of angels. What happened was, in the garage of their home, the father had decided to do some work underneath the car. So the car was jacked up, and then it was held up by the jack, and it was the father and the 17-year-old son together using this old jack to jack up the car. They together, it took all of their strength to jack the car up. The father, the full-grown man, and the 17-year-old son both working together. It took them together, their combined strength, to get the jack to work to jack the car up. Okay, the 17-year-old son goes into the house, into the far end of the house, and he's kind of out of ear range of what's going on in the garage. The 10-year-old son is still hanging out in the garage while his dad is underneath the car working on the car. The, the mechanism of the jack holding the car up is not balanced properly. It slips, and the full weight of the car comes down on the dad. The dad, having only a little bit of strength because of a couple of thousand pounds on him, said, Quick! help jack it up i can't breathe and he said one more time i can't breathe and he passed out the 10 year old boy went over to the jack and he jacked the whole car up all by himself later when he was asked how he could do that and they tried to get him to do it later he and he tried he just there's no way this was like superhuman strength to do something like this uh, because it took great effort on the father and the teenager to do it. So he, he couldn't even budget in his own ability. They said, well, how did you do it? He said, oh, it was the angels that helped me. It was the angels that helped me. And that story, my friends, went around the world. 
Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him, strengthening him. I believe these angels can strengthen your physical body. I believe they can inspire you and even strengthen your resolve where you say, I will not quit. Hallelujah. We're going to get this thing taken care of. And th this agony that Jesus was going through, he got a boost. Hallelujah. Look, this is way beyond a Red Bull or a monster energy drink. Hallelujah. This is supernatural power, a touch from an angel who had been directly in the presence of God. See, he was sent from heaven. So he's carrying that glory, carrying that atmosphere of God's own presence, and he comes into the earth, and re he releases that strength into Jesus, and it even affects his resolve. And the Lord's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to pray and press through this very, very difficult point. Praise the Lord. You know, I believe anybody would acknowledge that evil spirits, demons, influence people. They have an effort to try to influence the thought life of people. They even try to influence the thought life of believers. We reject their thoughts, praise God. But we understand where evil, bad thoughts come from. It comes from those in the devil's legions, those in the devil's armies, evil spirits, demons, trying to shoot these arrows, these bombardments of thoughts. But you have to understand also that while evil spirits have limited ability to do their stuff, angels of God, they can come, and they can also release suggested ideas. And you think, wow, I think I'm going to call so-and-so. And you, you end up calling right at the right moment when something uh, uh, of great importance was necessary for you to have made that call. Or you end up maybe changing your plans, and you do it because a thought pops into your mind, and you have a brilliant idea. Look, many times those are originating from the spirit realm as angels are speaking and putting these thoughts towards you, and you grab it, and you catch it. You're like, oh, I just had a great idea. Where, where did that come from? Many times it's coming from angels who are helping you to be strengthened even in your mind and in your resolve to continue on. Praise the Lord forever. I think it's fascinating how many testimonies came out of 9-11, 2001, when the Twin Towers fell, and afterwards there were so many workers that worked in the Twin Towers who were spirit-filled believers, who later testified that they woke up that morning to prepare to get ready for work, and so many of them just testified, you know, I had the most compelling thought, just stay home today, call in, take the day off, and go to the park, and enjoy a day relaxing. It is amazing how many people who had never had a thought like that before woke up that morning because they love the Lord, they are spirit-filled, and they have the line open between them and the Lord, and they just heard a, an impression. They received a thought so strong, so clearly, uh, to under, almost like a directive. Take the day off. Don't go into work today. Go do something else. Spend the day with your child. I mean, they all had their different little testimonies, whether it was just don't go in, go to the park, don't go in, spend the day with your children, don't go in, just stay in bed and read. I mean, over and over and over. Where are these thoughts coming from? They are coming from the messengers of God. They are coming from the angels of God to strengthen your resolve to do something that will lead to your peace and safety. I am telling you, they make your life smooth. Woo! Hallelujah, they make your life easy. They're, they are constantly working and helping you behind the scenes to make your life as peaceful and as wonderful and as good as possible. That is their sole assignment in life, to see that you get through this journey of life, accomplish the things that you're supposed to do, and you, that you have a smooth and a peaceful journey along the way. Praise God. Let us now go to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. Hallelujah. The angels are working in your life. Please say that as a declaration of your faith in the Word of God. Please say, the angels are working in my life. Say it again. Say, the angels of God are busy in my life. Woo, yes they are. Hallelujah. Say this. Say, the angels are making my life easy. Now say this, these are proclamations of faith. 
The angels of God are making my life smooth. Woo, hallelujah. You shouldn't have to have hardness, difficulty, hardness, difficulty all the time. No, my friends. God wants your life blessed, hallelujah. And that's what the angels are doing. Smooth. Come on, smooth sailing. Woo, yes, hallelujah. Glory to God. We are on the way now to Mark chapter 16. Yes, Lord, we give you praise. Mark chapter 16, let's start in verse 1. Now, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, that would be Sunday, resurrection morning, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. They said among themselves, now watch this, they're walking along the road. It's, uh, the sun's just now beginning to come up. Mm -mm. They said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? Wow. You know what? That stone probably weighs 2,000 pounds. And we're, we're just a couple of ladies. We can't do it. Even if we have a, a physics degree and we understand how to create leverage and we get a long pole and we get a, a, something to leverage that thing and roll it. No, no, it won't work. We, we just, we don't have time. We don't, we, we can't do that. They, they were just like, you know, who's going to move that stone? I think right there, some Christians would say, yeah, you know what? You're right. There's nobody can move it. Let's just go back to bed. You know, after all, it's too early. I'm tired. You know what? You know, it was a rough few days. Now let's go back to bed. But my friends, the angels want to help you. Oh, Pastor Stephen, though, you don't understand my situation. I'm between a rock and a hard place, and there's no way out. There's no way out. Oh, with God, there's always a way out. If God can move the rock, and God can move the hard place, and get rid of both of them on both sides. God can send one angel, maybe two. That way they have some company. That way they, they can talk to each other, enjoy, enjoy the work together. But God can send an angel and can roll away the blockade in your life. I'm not saying it's not there. I know some of you are, have some hurdles, have some limitations, have some things that would, that would try to appear to have you chained down. God can shatter the, the chains. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? My friends, keep on walking towards the tomb. Your resurrection, your uplifting, your breakthrough is about to happen because Jesus has already accomplished it for you. He's already paid for it. And if you'll just keep walking towards him in faith, believing what he said, operating by his word and his principles, he'll send an angel and he'll get that thing out of the way that says, no, you can't go there. Oh, he'll get that thing out of the way. You just keep walking and just watch it dissolve. You, you know what it is, don't you? God's going to get it out of the way. He is going to move that thing out of the way. You just keep walking towards him. Praise God. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. You may have a very large problem. What do you need? You need faith in God, that God will send an angel to move that thing. Right now, lift your hands and say, Lord God, I believe in the help and in the ministry of angels. I believe that they are able to move this thing now. Now, Father, send an angel right now into their lives to move that obstacle out of their way that would hold them back for, from their service unto you. Hallelujah. I mean, all they're doing is going to go serve the Lord. They're going to anoint the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, you know God's going to send an angel. Mm -mm. When your heart's right, when your motives are right, when you love the Lord, mm, God's going to send the angel. Believe in the ministry of angels. Believe today that God will send the angel. He's coming. Praise God. When they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. The angel came and moved it out of the way. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth. As long as you keep seeking Jesus, 
as long as Jesus is preeminent in your life, as long as Jesus is the focus of all that you do, as long as your motives are right in the eyes of God, as long as you seek him, God will keep sending angels. He'll send angels. He'll help. He'll help. He'll help. And you'll go forward. You'll go forward. You'll go forward to the amazement of those around you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, they want to help you. In many ways already, they are helping you. Much of the help sometimes we are not aware of. We're not always aware of the tragedies that have been diverted. Some we have. I see it all the time around me. My wife as well. I've, I, I have seen so many potential accidents that it's just amazing that uh, if, if God had not sent the angel, that would, have been, that would have been a mess. What do angels do? They make your life smooth. They keep you from getting in messes. Woo! Glory to God. Glory to God. By the way, if you're trying to go somewhere, go somewhere, and it's not working, but you're, uh, now I'm talking about going somewhere in, uh, out of the will of God, and you're trying, you're trying, and it's blocked, but you're persisting, and it's blocked, and you're trying, and you're trying, and it's blocked. Don't be surprised if that's an angel blocking that. I've had that happen to me before, and I stood back, I said, oh, my goodness, thank God that didn't work out because that was not God's will. I'm trying to go through the wrong door. And it was an angel that blocked me despite my best efforts from going through that door. Hallelujah. What's the angel doing? He's trying to make my life easy by not taking an exit that I'm supposed to not take because I'm going to lose time. I'm, I'm going to lose uh, resources. Stay on the path. Stay on the path. Glory to God. They are helping to make your life easy. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The angels protect you. The angels deliver you. The angels bless you. The angels love you. The angels, get ready for this one, they like you. Woo! Hallelujah. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, many times they even take on your appearance. They even take on your similarities. My wife's angel sounds just like her. When, uh, Kelly's angel often comes to me when I'm overseas internationally ministering if she's not there. So many times I have been woke up early in the morning to pray before the sun ever comes up. Her angel comes to me and says, Stephen, Get up. It's time to pray. And her angel sounds exactly like her. Wow. So cool. So it was interesting when uh, Peter was in prison. He is delivered miraculously. How? Through angelic intervention. He gets out and he goes to the prayer meeting that's taking place. And he knocks on the door because he's wanting to come in. And Rhoda answers the door and says, who is it? And uh, he says, it's, it's me. It's, it's Peter. And she goes back and says, uh, hey, uh, you know, we're all praying for Peter to be delivered. Well, he's standing outside the door. Oh, and they said, oh, no, it's, it, it's, it's not Peter. It's his angel. Now, why would they say that? Because they understood that your, that your voice and your angel's voice can sound very, very identical. Because you get, to, you get to where you like each other. And the angels like you. I'm telling you, your angels like you. Woo! Praise the Lord. Your angels are with you. They bless you. They help you. And they're going to do great things in your life because you love the Lord and you are seeking Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray for everyone watching right now that they would understand that your angels are working in their life. And I pray, oh God, that they release their faith, that you would do great things, that these angels would go now and move as we have already, uh, have already proclaimed remove every blockage that would try to hold them back. Now, Father, we thank you. We thank you for financial miracles. Father, we thank you for open doors. We thank you for the most amazing open doors and invitations and for favor. We just thank you for unexplainable favor. We know why there's so much favor, because of the angels. Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you care so much about us that you have sent these angels. Father, I ask that you strengthen your people through your angels. We give you praise. We give you all the glory. 
And Father, we thank you for Jesus, who is the head of the church and the captain of all of the angelic armies of heaven. Every angel bows their knee to the sovereign Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Father, we praise you and we worship you and we thank you for Jesus and his mighty, wonderful angels. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I am telling you, all this week, you are going to be able to notice and pick up on angelic health, angelic health. Your troubles and problems are going to begin to fall, fall, fall before you. Your life is going to get not harder. Your life is going to get easier, easier, and smoother. Woo! Say, I receive in Jesus' name. Praise God. You know what? We need to celebrate the fact that Jesus has given us angels and angelic help. We need, to, we need to celebrate Jesus, and we need to take communion today and celebrate the truths that are found in his word. I want you to grab some unleavened bread. I want you to grab some grape juice as we take communion together. Father, we now consecrate the bread and the juice. They are now the flesh and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I would like to read a verse to you from Isaiah 53, verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, the Heavenly Father has laid on Jesus, the iniquity, the lawless deeds, the sins of us all. All iniquity, all sin was laid on Jesus at Calvary while he hung on that cross, that we might be free, that he receiving all of our sins and all of our transgressions, we might be clean, we might be free. See, that's why in the garden, he was sweating great drops of blood. He was under tremendous pressure. He was in great mental agony and distress. Really, the devil tried to kill him in the garden of Gethsemane. What was Jesus going through? He was going through this great dilemma of knowing that he was going to receive the sin of all humanity, that it would be laid on him when he went on that cross, and because he was going to become sin, he would then, for the first time ever, he would then be separated from God. And it was just, it was almost incomprehensible the agony that he was going through of trying to deal with that. That's why he was saying, if there is any other way, uh, so I don't have to drink this cup and go through this experience, but he realized there was no other way. So an angel came and strengthened him. Please take the, the, the flesh of the Lord Jesus now in your hands. Father, we thank you for the flesh of Jesus that our sins, our iniquities were laid on him. All of our sins and iniquities were laid on him. And he did that. He, he did that to redeem us from them. Father, we thank you for the flesh of Jesus as we receive it. We receive all of the blessings contained in his word. We receive the help of the angels. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Father, we thank you for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, which, which washes away all sin. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father God, that the angels long to look in to this salvation experience that we as humans know and have experienced. It's fascinating to them because they cannot be born again. They, they are not... They are not Men, they are not women. And so they marvel at this salvation experience. So, Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus and the great privilege we have of fellowship with you that because of Christ and his sacrifice, we have now become your sons and your daughters. We are now in your family. So, Father, we receive the blood of Jesus, and we thank you for him in Jesus' name. Let's receive.
Glory to God. Glory to God. One more time, please lift your hands. Heavenly Father, I thank you that these are your people. All throughout this week and the ensuing days, I pray that they walk in a new understanding of angels. I pray that the angels and the work of their serving and their helping be greatly expanded in the lives of your people. Father, I thank you. Let the angels be in their home. Let the angels be on site with them as they work. Let the angels be with them as wherever they go. We thank you, Father. And we thank you that there are even times when you send you angels into our lives when we enter into new seasons and new dimensions of life. We thank you for that as well. Father, we give you praise. We thank you today that your angels are working in our lives. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. My friend, you're blessed. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.